Welcome back to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lab. My name is Ryan Jakey, and I am here with Corey Litton in NASCAR. Yeah, it's back. Is back. It's weird. It, se- it seems weird to have that already. I mean, we only got two ice races in this season. That was in the same day. Isn't that crazy? I know. <laughs> and uh, we go straight from NASCAR to nothing to NASCAR again. Well, usually between the end of one season and the beginning of the next season, we have winter. Right. There was no winter. <laughs> I've had a I've had snow in my yard for over a week now, and that's the longest it's ha- it's been there all year. Does it uh, is it on the north side of your house where the sun doesn't get to it or what? Yes. Okay. <laughs> sure. I've got some on my deck yet, but yeah, it's weird winter. But we've got NASCAR. We're ready to rock and roll. They were uh, spinning laps last night. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but before that, though. Saturday, February 3rd was a clash at the Coliseum in L.A. Um, or as they say on, on Letterkenny, L.A. Um, <laughs> have you ever watched that show? No. Um, it's a great show. <laughs> and you can get through a season like two hours. Uh, Denny Hamlin beat your favorite driver again, as he uh, likes to say, with his uh, win at NASCAR's preseason exhibition race. Kyle Busch finished in the second spot. Ryan Blaney passed 20 cars to finish in third. Ross Chastain might as well have not shown up. He finished 15th. Oh, come on. <laughs> what is... Really? I mean, they said that there's no passing in that one, but I think Ryan Blaney <laughs> proved everybody wrong there. All right. So the way they, it shook out was uh, first was Denny Hamlin, as you said, Kyle Busch second, Ryan Blaney third, Joey Logano fourth, and Kyle Larson in the fifth spot. And then a- after that, uh, um, I mean, it was... It, I. I thought it was a somewhat entertaining race. I mean, there was some good short track action. They were hitting each other a little bit. But You know what I didn't like was, um, hey, the race is going to be on tomorrow. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, we're going to have it on in a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, wait, I mean, I, I understand their thinking on it because it's not like they have another shot at it right. if they don't get it in and moving it back a few days. Well, I mean, the weather pattern that was going in there wasn't very wasn't favorable to get the race in within a week. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, I kind of understand it. It's better than just leaving it alone. Yeah. You got to try, I guess. But uh, Yeah. what I guess where I was at and I uh, w- did you have to buy tickets to get into this? I imagine you paid for tickets. Uh, right? that night, uh, that night, no, cause it was like a practice and they were having an, uh, another race, like the Mexico series was coming up there and okay. r- they raced, they raced shortly. They're right after that, that, uh, event. They're going to let everybody in for free just to kind of get some interest. Sure. And my guess is they didn't sell out the, the next night anyways. Yeah. <laughs> cause well, I'd, I'm just thinking if you went to LA special for this race and you're out doing your yeah. touristy things and all of a sudden, wait, what, what, you know, like right. I, it's one thing to have it, uh, okay, we're raining out, so we're going to have it tomorrow. It's another thing to say, hey, it's supposed to be tomorrow, but uh, be there in a couple hours in L.A. <laughs> it's it's not like the, the way the NASCAR fans used to be where they showed up for every event. Right. Um, right now, you're showing up for your race that you're going to. You're not, yeah. You don't care about practice. It's obvious right. that the fans don't care about practice or qualifying because right. it's not like the stands are packed yeah. for that. Yep. I mean, it's not like they're packed for the regular races most of the time, too. I mean, even if there is an uptick in the uh, in the viewership and in, in attendance, um, it's still not packed. It's still not the the heyday of the the late nineties, yeah, and early two thousands when they were selling you know sixty thousand seats out in in like an hour, right? Uh, um, it, it's it, it's still difficult to try to pack in everything. So my guess is everybody's now planned for like the day, mm-hmm. uh, and not. 
the entire whole weekend. Right. But yep. they're they're getting nickeled and dimed enough to where Yeah. I mean, you pretty much if you're trying to budget for your family to go, you're gonna go to the, the main event. Right. Yep, exactly. So Wednesday the fourteenth, they started qualifying. That's right. Front row got locked in for the Daytona 500 with Joey Logano coming in fastest with a lap of 49.465 seconds. That's That calculates out to 181.947 miles an hour. How close have you gotten to that speed in I, your life? I don't think I have. <laughs> <laughs> I know I haven't, but I know I, just, I was pushing 141. <laughs> um, also locking in was Michael McDowell with a lap of 49.536. I was closer to that speed. But uh, not much closer. Uh, that's 181.686 miles per hour. Uh, so it's, yeah, a tenth of a mile an hour closer. Yeah. Um, Logano's pole uh, run was oddly, oddly the first one for Roger Penske. Really? I had to read a few different sources on that one because I'm like, Just that doesn't sure. seem right. Mm. Uh, you know, with Roger Penske's, you know, you, you figured he's done everything yeah. in his career. As a as an owner, and yeah, that's his not first pole. Not, not Rusty Wallace. Not nope. That's crazy to think about. That Rusty has a great track record on on uh, on uh, restrictor plate tracks uh, for height and distance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, Daytona was never fun, never kind yeah. to him. Yeah, but yeah, once you think about it, I mean, he had Bobby Allison racing for him at yeah. one point in time, yeah. and it's, nope, no, yeah. No polls uh, for Roger Penske at Daytona until now. Hmm. So um, it was very nice of the long time of Logano to do that for him. Uh, it also ended the streak of nine straight polls for Hendrick Motorsports, as well as six straight front row starts for Alex Bowman. So, yeah, it's, all right. and it's an all Ford front row for the first time. And I don't even remember how long I couldn't find the stat on that one. <laughs> well, so they, they at least nine years. <laughs> they locked in the front row, and then uh, the next night, which was as we record this last night, Thursday the 15th, was the duels. That's right. With the front row locked in, the annual duels to determine the rest of the starting order for the Daytona 500 kicked off the start of the the NASCAR season here Thursday night. Um, things got a little interesting in duel number one. Again, so duel number one, you lock in into where you finish. That's the row you start. So duel number one is inside. Duel number two is outside for those that uh, that uh, may be new to this. Um, things got a little interesting at pit stops in the 60-lap event here. Uh, they started with 21 laps to go. The Toyota teams elected to pit early, and that resulted in a little bit of a scramble that caused Martin Truex Jr. to get in the back of Tyler Reddick. Reddick made contact with Ty Gibbs, and both drivers were able to make the save and continue on. Not only that, they made it to pit lane without without speeding or having any other incident. Um, Truex Jr. found himself out of sequence with the other Toyota drivers after missing his cue to pit. Five laps later, Truex made it into the pits, but unfortunately ran out of gas. Um, And then Ross Chastain also had issues. He was caught speeding and got sent back to the back like the cheater he is. Whatever. (laughs) uh, Just read what's on the sheet. I didn't write that? Oh, okay. With 10 laps to go, the caution flag waved for an incident between Austin Dillon, Daniel Hemrick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Hemrick and Stenhouse Jr. were unable to continue. The race uh, resumed with six laps to go with Kyle Larson and Daniel Suarez battling for the lead. The inside line showed a, showed a, a slowed at the beginning of the final lap, which caused a lot of dicing around. Uh, Tyler Reddick, who started in uh, the lap in sixth place, was able to shoot through an opening in the backstretch to take the lead from Larson, and he held on for the win. 
Jimmy Johnson needed to beat J.J. Yaley to race his way into the 500 and did so in the very last lap. Um, and it was quite the move that he made, too, because he had some decisions to make. Mm-hmm. Yaley was ahead of him. There was a car that was slower that was losing its momentum. Jimmy Johnson just stayed there and kept pushing him forward, and that was the difference maker because Yaley went to the outside and dropped back. Uh. And uh, and Jimmy Johnson just stayed there, and because of that, he raced his way into the 500. He's got a chance. <laughs> yeah, he does. His odds aren't great, but uh, I've I've looked at I looked at those just before I came in. His odds aren't terrific, but they're not terrific. But it's Jimmy Johnson, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so how'd they finish in the duels? Well, it was uh, again in, in the in first the duel. Duel number one. It was Tyler Reddick with the win. Chase Elliott in second. Third was Alex Bowman. Fourth Carson Hosevar. Fifth Eric Jones. Uh, Sixth, Daniel Suarez. Seventh, Joey Logano. Eighth, Ty Gibbs. Ninth, Kyle Larson. Yeah, Larson dropped back all the way to ninth <laughs> while being in the lead in the last half yeah, lap. It, it doesn't take much. No, no. That was that was quite incredible. Then it was uh, the 10th tenth uh, finisher was Chris Busher, and 11th was Ross Chastain. All right. Duel number two. Bubba Wallace was strong in the beginning of the second duel to, until pit stop started with 19 laps to go. When the stops cycled through, Michael McDowell found himself in the lead. A scary moment, however, with 13 laps to go. A violent accident brought out the race's only caution. Ryan Blaney made a move to get by William Byron on the front stretch. Kyle Busch bumped Byron's backside, causing Byron to turn into the right rear of Blaney. Blaney... Did you like the uh, alliteration I put there? Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see what's going on here. I'm reading what's on the sheet. Okay. <laughs> Kyle Busch bumped Ryan's backside, causing Byron to uh, turn into the right rear of Blaney. Blaney then shot across the track headfirst, and stacked a, a stack-up ensued. Involved in the crash, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Noah Gregson, Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe, Riley Herbst, Bubba Wallace, William Byron, Justin Haley, B.J. McLeod, all drivers were okay Denny Hamlin led at the drop of the white flag, but made a move to block his teammate Christopher Bell. The move backfired, and Bell grabbed the lead coming out of turn number two. That proved to be the winning move as Bell crossed the line ahead of Austin Sindrick and Denny Hamlin. And the finish kind of looked like this. Uh, well, it looked exactly like this. Christopher Bell was your winner. Austin Sindrick finished in second. Then uh, Denny Hamlin finished in third. John Hunter Nemechek finished in uh, fourth. Uh, Harrison Burton finished in fifth. In sixth, it was D- Zane Smith. Seventh, Brad Keselowski. Eighth, William Byron. Ninth, Chase Briscoe. Tenth, Justin Haley. And eleventh was Bubba Wallace. I went to eleventh because uh, in the first one, I went to eleven to get Ross Chastain in, uh, into it. Whatever. Let all right. One thirty-ish. But I also I'm talked so- about Bubba Wallace <laughs> earlier in there too, so I wanted to get him in in there because you know you got to fi- you got to figure out where he finished. Yeah. So next up. Sunday, February the 18th, Daytona 500. It's going to be on Fox. Advertised start time 1.30. That's right. Which means they should get the green flag around supper time. If we remember this correctly from last year, and uh, it should be about, it says 1.30-ish on the start time, but yes, I would agree, probably around 5. Yeah, don't race to get home if you're uh, if it's 1.25 and you're going, oh gosh, Daytona 500. <laughs> don't don't get into a into a crash trying to get home because you'll be sitting there for a while. You, you'll you got time. 
I'm I'm hoping to watch it with my kids, but I just I don't want to put them to bed in the middle of it. <laughs> Thankfully, they have the lights. <laughs> what are the odds? Well, who's, who's who are favorites here? Right now, Joey Logano is favored at plus nine hundred. Denny Hamlin sitting in second, along with Brad Keselowski at a plus thousand. Uh, Ryan Blaney, even with the accident, um, sitting in fourth right now at plus eleven hundred. In fifth, Kyle Busch plus twelve hundred. Kyle Larson, uh, he's sitting in sixth at plus fourteen hundred. Fifteenth uh, for your your boy Ross Chastain mm-hmm. at uh, twenty five hundred. Okay. Um, the long shots: Todd Gilliland, Daniel Hemrick, uh, Kaz Grala, and Anthony Alfredo at are, are at plus ten thousand. In I'm uh, I'm looking up to see if I can find the Jimmy Johnson one quick here. This I was is going to ask you what what the odds are of Jimmy winning that. Plus six thousand. He's in the screen right now for with the <laughs> where you can see the long shots. Okay. So he's all the way. He's down towards the bottom of the list here, but he's yeah he's sitting right around Chase Briscoe and Josh Berry. Um, okay. Harrison Burton uh, is above him. Um, the Dinger, AJ Allmendinger, plus forty five hundred. Okay. Uh, see, he's above him. And uh, yeah, if I keep scrolling, 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 there I find the top 10. <laughs> so Jimmy Johnson. Yes. Starting in what spot? 41st? I, uh, I believe so. Because he, okay. he was one of the last cars that got in. Okay. Second to last. Anyway. Pretty much. Okay. $20. You put $20 on Jimmy Johnson. $1,200 to win. You know, I'd take that. I don't, I, I don't know. Jimmy's, I, Jimmy's never been really good there, has he? He's won, right? I don't remember him winning. We better look that up. Yeah. All I, right. I don't think he did. We'll get back to that. Though. All right. We, we'll check it out. But still, like I said, it's Jimmy Johnson. It'd be, for me, it's worth the 20 bucks driving down to uh, Hankinson, put a, put, a <laughs> 20, put a 20 spot on Jimmy Johnson. It'd be, uh, it'd be interesting. But, uh, well, let's move on to World of Outlaws. While you're doing that, I'll, I'll check out Jimmy Johnson's okay. Daytona 500 record. All right, Wednesday, February 7th through Saturday, February 10th with the Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia Speedway Park in Barberville, Barberville Florida. Uh, I've been there before. Nice place. I really like it. The Wednesday edition had uh, the Outlaws back in town to kick off their season in the shadow of the Daytona International Speedway last week. They also had some surprise guesses along, guests along with them uh, with the uh, the High Limit Stars showing up there as well. It was the High Limit Soldiers who struck first as Brad Sweet took the win on night number one over fellow High Limiter Tyler Courtney, Sunshine Tyler Courtney, and the uh, uh, one of the outlaw drivers, David Gravel, broke up the podium for them. Donnie Schatz, uh, Schatz uh, started in 10th and charged up to 6th in that one. That would be a recurring theme throughout the week um, for Donnie Schatz was passing a lot of cars. Uh, David Gravel struck back on the Thursday night run out there. He struck back for the Outlaws with his win Thursday night. And the high limit drivers, Rico Abreu and Justin Peck, finished 2nd and 3rd. Schatz continued the passing clinic with a 5th place finish after starting 16th. On Friday, February 9th, it was the High Limit Soldiers who struck back again. I like calling them the High, uh, high Limit Soldiers because remember the No Limit Soldiers? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they struck back by sweeping the entire podium on Friday night. Sunshine Tyler Courtney got the win. Rico Abreu finished in second, and the Big Cat Brad Sweet finished in third. Shots was plus 12 after going, eight, uh, going 18th to 6th in that one. And then moving on to Saturday, February 10th, 
Sheldon Hodenshield made it even between the uh, high limits and the outlaws with his uh, win for the outlaws on the final night over Anthony Macri and Brad Sweet. Donnie Schatz passed two cars in, uh, to finish seventh, making it plus 29 in four days. That's how many cars he passed. Wow. So uh, quite the run for Donnie out there. Uh, the points sh- shook down like this. Now, I I, I had to make uh, special markers in here because w- the next time that they're going to race, it's going to change significantly with a lot of the outlaw drivers or a lot of the high limits drivers not going to be a part of it. So David Gravel is your point leader with 572 points. Geo, he's uh, one of the World of Outlaws uh, drivers. Um, in uh, second, it's also uh, World of Outlaw driver, um, Geo Selzy. Hot Sauce is 10 points back. In third, it's High Limit drivers, Brad Sweet and Tyler Courtney. They are both 14 points back. And then in fifth, High Limit driver Rico, Rico Abreu, who is tied with Donnie Schatz at a negative 20 right now. So that's going to change significantly. I mean, Donnie Schatz, the next green flag, automatically is going to jump into into third spot. Mm-hmm. Uh and depending on where Gio Selzy finishes, I mean, he might have a chance to, you know, get a good run at David Gravel and possibly start the season out real well going for that 11th, uh, that 11th World of Outlaws title. Yeah. So next up, Sunday, March 3rd and Monday, March 4th, the World of Outlaws Bike Week Jamboree Volusia Speedway Park in Barberville, Florida. Now. Daytona Bike Week. That's got to be a fun, that's got to be a fun <laughs> fun get together out there. Jimmy Johnson, yes, Daytona 500 winner, 2006 and 2013. Really, two time. I thought he won. 2013 was in the middle of a lost decade for me, so it's pretty tough to remember <laughs> that. Well, either way, 2006. I don't even know if I had a TV that 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 year. Oh, you had to. If everybody had them. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I was working a lot of karaoke gigs at that time, so I was usually pretty tired during the day. Sure. I wonder. They must have odds for uh, finishing top five. I'm sure you could. They put, do. Put put uh, put. They have. Uh, they're listing uh, right now. Winner top five. Or top three. Top five. That's oh. what your odds are. I oh. just go with the winners because sure. that's what I care about. Right. Winning. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else is the first loser. Right. It's, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Spoilers, breakdown, <laughs> setup sheets. Let's hear it. Uh, I found a movie. You did. Um, did you get a chance to watch it? I watched a few minutes at the beginning. I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. <laughs> but I'm took, sure you'll do a fine job of breaking this took down. took me four me. hours to write this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is the biggest part of the whole thing. This is like a 15-minute movie. 14. 14. 14, uh, yes. Uh, depending on which version <laughs> of it you find on, on YouTube. It's Barney Oldfield's Race for a Life. If uh, anybody remembers what Barney Oldfield is, I've, I've kind of become obsessed with him. Because he's from a time and an era where, I mean, racing was brand new. He mm-hmm. was in the racing's infancy. And I found a song um, <laughs> that is about him. And I'm, I'm wondering why it says uh, the, the chorus goes going half a mile a minute. I'm like, mm-hmm. I went that fast coming here today <laughs> um, <laughs> in town. So that was a speed thing at the time, but I mean, it was the infancy. So of course, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember reading a quote one time of somebody saying, if man goes faster than 20 miles an hour, he will surely perish. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah, that was about the train, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, uh, 1913. Um, this is a rough time in movie history too. None of these people are alive. 
after uh, making this movie. N- nobody in there. I'm pretty yeah. sure everything in that is dead. Yeah. Even the trees are dead. It was a full 100 years before Jimmy Johnson won his second day. <laughs> Solid callback. <laughs> yeah, you can find it on YouTube uh, and watch it. And, you know, hopefully I don't give away too much. I think I gave <laughs> here You're giving this one. away all of it. It's starring uh, Mabel Normand. Um, you might remember her f- I don't, from other movies. I don't know. Silent. It's a, it's a silent film. So, yeah. Uh, Max Sennett is uh, in this also. Uh, Barney Oldfield, of course. I mean, he has his name in it. Ford Sterling, perfect name for a villain in this one. Uh, William Halber, Raymond Hatton, Rube Miller. Um, I bet he wasn't picked on for that name. <laughs> Al St. John, Helen Holmes, Hank Mann, and Carmen Phillips are uh, uh, all the all the people that acted in this movie. Um, so I'm going to... <laughs> I, I've d- divided this up by the actual title cards that came up. Um, so a bashful suitor is the, the first yeah, se- I, segment. I see that. Mabel Norman opens, up, opens the movie by running into a bashful suitor played by Max Sennett. After some weird flower smelling, they lock arms and start walking until they stop awkwardly and kiss on the other side of the street. So apparently they got into it right away. Um, now we're into a villainous rival. Enter a villainous rival starring Ford Sterling, who's giving off some very strange, a very strong uh, Dick Dastardly meets Ox Baker, Baker, uh, excuse me, Bra- Baker vibes. Remember Ox Baker from wrestling? The really big mustache. The I don't giant know I eyebrows do. and he was bald like he curled his eye- eyebrows that's how much they were I don't remember him no if you saw a picture of him you'd go oh yes I remember that guy he was he was one of those like 70s 80s okay. bad guy sure legitimately killed a guy in the ring too um, Sterling is flanked by his two henchmen who are apparently are whistle trained to hide behind trees he whistled they jumped out he whistled again they jumped back that's that's how that worked um, Mac disappears after some uncru- uh, uncomfortable flirting goes on, and this opens the door for Ford. Ford makes his move, which is you know, a little handsy, even for the that time, if you ask me. On uh, Mabel, uh, she greets him with a roundhouse ri- right, right after that. That's shades of Carrie Von Eric. Um, <laughs> sends Ford straight to hell. <laughs> he does. He takes a heck of a bump after that. Uh, and somewhere, Jim Ross is saying, "By God, she just broke him right in half." <laughs> Ford gets up and does some quick mustache grooming. Does the old dastardly twist? Uh-huh. Twist. Uh, <laughs> um, he comes up with his dastardly plan to exact revenge on Mabel. Um. Mabel catches back up to Mac, who didn't do anything about earlier the earlier incident because chivalry, chivalry apparently was dead in 1913. <laughs> he was only on the other side of the street. How could he not see this? Um, <laughs> well, they, their eyes maybe weren't as good back then. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. They were uh, dealing with monocles rather than two, <laughs> two lenses. Uh, Mac goes in for the Irish whip on Mabel. He does. He grabs her arm like he's going to whip her into the turnbuckle. But uh, he turns it into a kiss instead, so it, it, it was nicer than the other guy. Uh, Mabel exits stage left, which, again, was to the other side of the, <laughs> the street. Ford emerges from behind the trees and with help of his henchmen, and uh, Mabel is now a damsel in distress. Um, to the tracks. 
this in the next chapter. Um, <laughs> Ford meets up at the railroad tracks by the $40 handcart from Blazing Saddles <laughs> when the henchman was, in... That was before the quicksand. Right, before okay, the quicksand. Gotcha. I mean, they didn't lose it. Right. Um, the henchman tried to chain up Mabel and Ford covers her mouth to silence her, but unbeknownst to Ford... Mabel has a craving for hand sandwiches. And wouldn't you know it, there's one right in front of her within striking distance. So she bites them real good. Uh, Ford makes his way to the tracks, checks his watch, and motions to the other stooges to bring Mabel over. They begin uh, driving stakes into the ground to secure Mabel to the tracks, and we have now officially gone from kidnapping to attempted murder. Uh, Jump to Mac, who apparently hasn't left the spot where the first scene took place, which which means he had to have seen everything. And again, did nothing. Yeah, he's <laughs> quite the dummy. Um, back to the tracks where the henchman mistakenly left a small hammer in the range of Mabel's hands. And while Ford loses his concentration for a little bit, she decides to play this little game called "Little Pig." This little piggy got smashed. Um, <laughs> Ford wrestles the hammer away. Turn literally turns tail. He did. He turned, spun around on his heel, fl- flipped up his little tux jacket thing, and uh, and ran away. Uh, <laughs> and uh, makes his way back to the henchman. They put the handcart on the tracks because this is this plan now has a phase two. Okay, which uh, starts off with now for the engine, <laughs> the dastardly three, which I think sounds like a good band name. The dastardly three make their way to the train station where they uh, plan to now steal the old Doc Brown model engine. Okay, um, so they can go and uh, com- complete uh, complete their evil doings. After an impressive show of strength where Ford separates the engine from the rest of the train and with his own bare hands, we get introduced to, next chapter, Barney Oldfield himself. Oh boy. Now it's going to get good. The hero makes his appearance at the halfway mark of the movie, and don't you know business is about to pick up. Uh, back at the station, the dastardly three attract, uh, attack the train crew, and phase two is now complete. Not before Ford makes a shocking turn on one of the henchmen who had the audacity, audacity to question him. He, did, he just kind of looked at him and did, you know, what are we doing kind of thing. Uh, the former evildoer then turns into a rat and informs the train crew of what Ford is attempting to do. Uh, henchman number three then finds Mac, who's looking like an idiot standing on the same street <laughs> corner. Still like an idiot. Mac then runs and finds the fastest man alive. <laughs> Uh, Barney Oldfield talking to one of his admirers, uh, okay. the, the other girl in the movie. Um, <laughs> well, honestly, looked a lot better than Mabel. So I'm wondering what her acting credits were, were her huh. credentials were. I, I don't know. And well, not saying did, you didn't go to IMDb and I don't. Uh, I mean, I I, <laughs> I did actually. I couldn't find much for because I, I don't think they had a lot of people telling stories sure. about this this movie. Sure. Um, the next one, the next uh, chapter, Barney learns of Mabel's plight. Okay. Barney and Mac are now in a race against time to beat the dastardly duo and rescue Mabel from a certain death. During this time, the second henchman has now found a group of policemen and has now made his, his successful face turn. Okay. He's no longer mm. in the heel stable anymore. Okay. Uh, cops then jump on the handcart to try to, ma- <laughs> to try to make it to the crime <laughs> scene. I can't imagine there's either a big enough budget or enough vehicles around to go after this. Uh, probably not. And that brings us to the race for a life. All right. Mabel is struggling to free herself from the chains as we see shots of the cops on their way on the handcart. And, uh, and Barney, uh, 
<laughs> has caught uh, has caught the train now. Barney uh, Barney Oldfield and Mac have have caught the train. Yeah, and now it's in a drag race to the the uh, uh, possible death spot on here. Uh, suddenly, <laughs> Ford Ford produces a pistol and fires two shots at Barney and Mac. And you know, I feel like if if he was going to murder someone, mm-hmm. um, that might have been a little easier than this whole other plan that he's trying to do. I mean, like if. He was going to try to murder Mabel, and now all of a sudden he comes up with a gun. <laughs> uh, call me old-fashioned here, but uh, wouldn't you use the gun to do that? Then we don't have to go through this whole thing. <laughs> well, then it wouldn't be a movie. <laughs> right. There'd be uh, no tension. I mean, I guess there's a there's a code that the dastardly need to live by, <laughs> and that includes... Well, you know, <laughs> chaining people up to railroad tracks so that they die by getting run over by a, a locomotive. Right. Yeah, I guess it's it's yeah, it's more dramatic that way. But I mean, apparently- you'd also think you'd also and, and and it very well could be. The the problem is bad guys don't know how to shoot. That's right, because he does. He misses with those two those first two mm-hmm. shots. So um, he probably just figured it'll be more effective to tire to the railroad tracks. I guess than, than try to you know how many times is he going to miss her? <laughs> uh, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> And apparently he's not good at a kill shot at this point in the movie, but uh, he puts the gun away because he's got bigger weapons to try out next. Um, <laughs> now Ford hurls out sticks of dynamite at our heroes, which look uh, when they blow up, they look uh, pretty close to just bags of flour hitting the ground. <laughs> um, <laughs> we get a shot of the cops on the handcart just to remind you that they are still here <laughs> in this movie um, and will play a part in this in a moment. Uh, Ford is missed with the dynamite, and uh, he's now graduated to bombs. I mean, they look like cannonballs with giant fuses. Where did he get fuses. all this? I don't know where, where he's carrying all this. So, like Acme... Was it, uh, was it on the train? Wiley Coyote? Yeah. Was it on the train here? <laughs> but he goes, and I know, and, and I mean, I know what you're thinking here. There wouldn't be a bomber with more distinct, distinctive facial hair again till Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> Too soon? He just died like a year ago. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't very long ago. I'd have to look to see, but I don't really care that much. I had to look up his name to make sure I got the spelling right. So that's why, how I remember It matters. That. You're the only one reading it. <laughs> well, I want to be accurate. Uh, but unlike the Unabomber, <laughs> Ford just universally bombs at throwing bombs because he missed again. <laughs> yeah. These are looks like larger sacks of flour getting thrown out. Um, Barney then grabs another gear and says, this thing goes faster than 88 miles an hour. And uh, <laughs> back to the future. Yeah, again. I got you. Um, and then <laughs> it, it didn't uh, fly. Though. This is why he's the fastest man alive. Okay. He, he doesn't have to worry about going back in time. Mm. Uh, our hero finds Mabel uh, just in time as the train speeds towards certain death. They free her. Okay. Ford then strangles his, his other henchmen because Ford is unable to accept failure and it must be this guy's fault. Um, it's at this time where the cops make it to the scene on time. Of course, uh, Ford waves them down and pulls out a gun and shoots all five of them. He's now, now has a four star wanted level. Um, (laughs) I I don't know how they would attract it back then. I have no idea. Um, Ford then turns a gun on himself, but is out of bullets because of the two he fired earlier. So if you're doing the math, Mm -hmm. he has a seven shooter. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's got the reserve. There's one in the chamber, right? Uh, dejected, he throws the gun down and strangles himself. Okay. Um, again, I mean, that could have saved us 15 minutes right mm-hmm. there if he just would have done that at the beginning sure. of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and the end. All right. 
I, I gave it a green flag, and I'm willing to bet that Barney Oldfield was the man who put an end to all the train-related crime when making this movie. <laughs> and I think you forgot to mention that this is a silent movie. Yes, it is silent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not that Imagine you have if it's had words. <laughs> not that you would really had to in 1913. I think everybody could have came to that conclusion. But Right. Uh, right. Back then, they were just called movies. Yeah, just movies. All right. Now that we got through that, what else happened? <laughs> it sounded like I tortured you there. <laughs> well, I think the review was longer than the movie. It was longer than the movie. I was watching the, watching this as we were recording. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we had some other stuff happen. We, we kind of alluded to it that we had uh, some ice racing going mm-hmm. on. And that was on Saturday, January 27th. Cameron Lake Ice Races in Erskine, Minnesota. So far, the only ice racing of the season uh, has been able to happen. I think that's going to be it, unfortunately. I, yeah. Ed, I think we're done. I get, I get asked to uh, and, and hired to go record, or not record, uh, uh, announce for ice racing out in Underwood, and ice has never been good enough yet. Mm-hmm. So are you uh, are you like my my uh, uh, driveway guy where you get uh, the full fee whether it's whether you announce it or not like the snow guy whether it snows or not he's getting paid. <laughs> well, we never even got to announce a schedule. <laughs> so well, that's not your fault. Yeah. Um, so I, no, I don't get it. I don't get paid if we don't race. And <laughs> so that's yeah, that's not a good one. But. Uh, and I thought I pay. I I asked for a very reasonable. I'm sure you rate. did. Uh, so, I'm, but I'm still out it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now you know what to ask for next. Right. Year. Yeah. I got to <laughs> Everything's going guaranteed from now on. Uh, but yeah, show number one saw Bill Tim winning in the Baja class, and uh, Tyler Scow won in the full size class. Show number two saw Bob Tim sweep in the Bajas, and Josh Seeley ended up winning in the full-size competition. One of the things I thought was so cool about this, so, um, yeah, first time, I, first race uh, in the first show, you know, I'm catching the lead up to green. I'm sitting outside of turn four, mm-hmm. and, you know, they start the cars three wide. Yeah. it's awesome but as that's coming i'm hearing all these sorts of pops and stuff and i'm like ah this is not good yeah um and kind of feeling them below me too right yeah and we're quite a ways away from where the actual action's happening i don't know if it was a good call to do it in the first place we lived i don't want to judge anybody but we we lived and this is the best the ice was going to be all year uh so I, I move I moved around periodically throughout the whole thing too because there's different spots you can mm-hmm. park and just wanted to get you know a good feel for the place and yeah. just check it out and um, at one point I'm hearing popping while I'm in my pickup I'm hearing these <laughs> popping sounds and I'm like this is kind of unsettling here uh-huh. uh, so I'm looking around I'm like how quick can I get out of here and then I realized why there was popping going on okay there are kids wearing skates playing hockey right behind oh, us in the parking lot so it had nothing to do with the ice yeah. popping. Well, so that made me starting to laugh. It, yeah, it wasn't ice pop, and I was hearing the puck hitting the stick. Okay. Well, that's a little better then. <laughs> and I, I thought that was just awesome. All these kids are going around playing hockey while there's racing going on right by us. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's no ice fishing going on with no, that, that noise. No. But um, yeah, it was pretty awesome out there. Uh, Josh Seeley, of course, when he got the win, he's driving one of those uh, a GMC version of like the Chevy Blazer. <laughs> he's driving one of those uh, I, I thought that was pretty hilarious uh but that thing is bad fast 
Uh, points shake down like this. Bill Tim is your point leader in the Baja class with 117 points after that sweep of the weekend. Mason Sheelan in second, 101 points. And Hogan Lundin in third, 97 points. Uh, going to the full size, Tyler Scow. He, uh, he's a guy that I got to ride with a couple years ago out there. Uh, he's sitting uh, as, as your point leader, 105 points scored so far. In second, Sam Rogers, 100 points. And a guy that we've had on the show, Mr. Excitement, Logan Bauer, sitting in third, 97 points. Uh, what's next, you might ask? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> TBA. Um, if Without a deep freeze going on here for maybe a couple of weeks, I don't think we're going to get another shot at this. Uh, and unfortunately, like I said, the ice isn't isn't good enough down in Underwood, Minnesota to, to race down there. It's not safe enough to even attempt to drive on it. And DNR is actually imposed, uh, believe was going to be imposing some restrictions coming up here for ice fishing. So, I mean, you can imagine we can't get a bunch of cars out there to race each other at the same time if we can't even ice fish. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good for the rest of the season, but we will keep you up to date here as soon as uh, anything comes up. All right, sounds good. That's going to do it for this week. Checkers and Wreckers victory lap. Uh, next week, uh, if you're listening as we go, we're going to be a little bit early because uh, a little earlier in the week because I am going to be out of the country. So uh, that's right. Yeah, got all so, your shots. Oh yeah, I got them. I've been there before. Oh okay. Yeah, so I'm I'm good to go. Yep. Wasn't this the trip that you hurt yourself on? Nope, that was Alaska. Oh okay. Yep, that was the. Uh, that, that might was, as well be out of the that, country. That was a U.S. destination, but yeah. So uh, no, that uh, nope, haven't hurt myself there. There are scorpions, but I haven't seen one yet. So anyway, we'll be a little early next week. So until then, you can find us everywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget, share that with a friend. You can go to the KFGO app or, again, wherever you get your podcasts or KFGO.com. So for Corey Litton, I'm Ryan Janke. We'll see you next time on Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap.